Fall gives me uh, home home recordings of uh, TV special, like Halloween TV special vibes. Yeah, I like anytime I think about like October specifically and like Halloween. Like it's not like synesthesia, but like I have like a reminded like little feeling in my head, and it's like TV static and like. Uh, really chewy caramel candies that hurt your teeth because they're too sugary. I think for me, it's like, I think about being outside, like the air, like the way the air smells and how like it feels like yes. really crisp. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like a, a colors kind of feeling, which might be a little synesthesia where I think of like, I just feel orange and yellow and green yeah. and a little brown. And I just, I feel warm and I feel... Like, safe, you know? Yeah. It's a yeah. safe feeling time. It's like, you made it through the the hot, sweaty part, and now you get a little treat before you go into the really cold part. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll get exactly. a little treat after that, which is springtime, and then you get fun pastels and funky pinks. <laughs> get Midsummer and, and uh, bird, the guy Peter Cottontail stop-motion Rankin-Bass film. <laughs> That's what I think of. Yeah. Seasons are pretty cool. Seasons are pretty cool. <laughs> Welcome back to Chainsaw Matinee. Everybody take your seats. We have such sights to show you. I'm Kai. I'm Murray. I got lost in the woods. Yeah, we're, we're the out here. Here's, a, here's a detail that you guys won't be able to see, but Marty just held up their hand like it's a, a like a microphone. Yeah, because... Um, because uh, um, these two guys are hosting a, like a horror factor fiction thing out in the Jersey, the, the New Jersey Pine Barrens, and then and then they and then die. They got microphones. <laughs> are you telling me there's there's Jersey Devils? There's Jersey Devils in these. What this ain't their territory. Quite frankly, the sexiest of the cryptids, in my opinion. <laughs> but that's just me. Tony Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is kind of a Jersey Devil. <laughs> but no, I'm Hannah. Hi. Hi, Hannah. <laughs> and we have to break the awkward silence. <laughs> so today we are here to talk about The Last Broadcast, a found footage horror film from the 90s that actually technically predates Blair Witch, the Blair Witch mm-hmm. Project. They were in production at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think any of them rift off the other one nah these, these like, also have like two very different yeah, feelings very and different editing vibes. and setup mm-hmm. and th- this kind of like reminded me a little bit of the way lake mungo does stuff mm-hmm. with like the interviews whereas the blair witch is more just kind of like this is the footage we found of them in the woods and there's a little bit of that in this one but it's mostly like interviews of yeah, people very much assessing like a the footage tradi- traditional documentary style yes 
Yeah, it's like the um, kind of a traditional, like there are vampire movies in horror, but every vampire movie is very different. That's kind of mm-hmm. like this with found footage in the woods, like just because you have a similar location, probably because they were both working with a very small budget and trying to find an atmosphere that they could do the most with, with the limited amount of equipment. That's they had $900. Where I say the similarities <laughs> start and end. Yeah, and yeah. 900 bucks. Yeah. It's kind of, Evil Dead did that too. Like, you know, like we find some place in the woods... It's easier to kind of hide camera and equipment and do little tricky tricks. And, and then you got to you know. get creative, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd say all three of these movies have done that in a, their own unique way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I think we, Marty and I discovered this movie a few months ago. We were just browsing on yeah. Shutter. We just saw a thing and it was like uh, a quest into uh, like the question of whether or not the Jersey Devil exists. And we were like, oh, hey, that sounds yeah, fun. Yeah, we were like, and then there's we, a horror movie about the Jersey Devil. That's cool. Yeah, and then we were watching it and we were like, the, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not about the Jersey Devil yeah, at all, but it kind of is. Spoiler alert, there's not a, je- a Jersey Devil in this there are not any supernatural elements in this film, no. which I dig yeah. a lot. One thing I also loved about it was I wasn't sure for half yeah. the film. Like yeah, I was like, a is bit, there a supernatural like, oh, thing going on? Did they on? get killed by the Jersey Devil in the woods? What is going on? Yeah, and then this there's film a twist. Plays with your expectations in a really fun way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I will go on record. I am. As I have said before, a big found footage fan. Mm-hmm. And Me uh, as well. This this film holds a very significant place as one of the earlier found footage films. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really cool. And what they were able to accomplish on such a small mm-hmm. budget is really cool. So yeah. I'm excited to get into this. I feel like this movie is severely overlooked with like how like interesting and cool and fun it is and you should probably watch it if you're into found footage yes it's interesting too because i when this i just watched it yesterday on your recommendation and while i was watching it i didn't quite understand it like there was a part of me that was like hmm but then when it got to the end and the twist happens i was like oh so i wonder if it's if that's the reason why it's not as heralded as some of the other found footage movies because it's not as it takes more time to kind of slow burn it, it is a little its bit way, of a and you have more movie. yeah and there's like because it has more of a traditional documentary format and he's giving you like context mm-hmm. it's it almost feels safe but then the ending happens and then i'm like oh wait that's brilliant i wasn't safe at all that's yeah. fucking nuts and it's actually brilliant i i really enjoyed this one especially upon thinking about it like mm-hmm. it's it's a ponderer it's a thinker yeah it has a 53 percent on rotten tomatoes so you're either probably gonna like this a lot or you're probably gonna hate it a lot depending um we we liked it a lot but like we're also like kind of we like documentary style stuff a lot so yeah I like it because it's very, you don't get this style very often in found footage horror movies. Mm-hmm. Like, normally it's just, it's very Blair Witch style of, like, you're, you're with the characters in the moment. Mm-hmm. And this one is more like you're reflecting on the moment. You're It's like you're solving a mystery. You're putting mm-hmm. together pieces of a puzzle. It's kind of narrated like a Blame It on Jorge video. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But I liked that. Cause Blame I It on it's... who? Blame it on Jorge. Um, he's one of my favorite YouTubers, so I am obsessed with Lost Media, which is kind of why I'm going back to school to become an archivist. <laughs> I've just had this lifelong 
obsession that is apparently maybe going to turn into a career for me, so. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that's a, a little miniature promo for Blame It on Jorge. Yeah. <laughs> um, so should we get into this movie? Yeah, so, um. Let's dive in. It, uh, opens up and they're, um, they, like, lay out this case where, um, these three guys go into the woods, um, and only one of them comes out. The The other two have, like, disappeared, um. And they were, they ran a public access television show called Fact or Fiction, where mm-hmm. they talked about, like, weird supernatural stuff. Yeah. And... They had a very tumultuous well, one... relationship. Like mm-hmm. they they didn't get along and they kept disagreeing yeah. so the about two, the direction the of the show. So the two hosts of the show and the other guy who is a he's a self-proclaimed like magician psychic and he um like volunteers with them to go on this journey with them because he feels like he could detect supernatural entities. Um, to me, it's very obvious that this guy is neurodivergent in some way, possibly autistic, and just, like, really likes the show and, like, really wanted to interact with them in some way, and so was using any kind of talent that he had in order to, like, be friends with these guys, but these guys are, like, not great. Yeah, <laughs> um, so... They're kind of mean Well, to he was him. good enough that I was kind of like, is he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, because, that's... Because, um, the- there's a trick he does where like the date of the murders appears on his arm which again the documentary documentarian goes on to state that like this is something that many magicians learn it's a common trick he does this card trick that kind of reminded me of evil dead where he yeah i was literally cards i was literally sitting there like quoting evil dead like jack of diamonds jack of clubs (laughs) And I've seen a couple of magician friends do that trick, so I know it. it is something that a lot of them learn. But I don't know, there's just something about how serious he was, too, mm-hmm. that made me think, like, is he, can he, can he read my thoughts? Yeah, he's a, he's a little weird and very serious about what he's doing, and you're not really sure why, and they talk about in the movie how the editing of the footage is, like, really important to the narrative that they um, put through. Cause there's like one story that they push through the courts that this guy has edited the footage, the footage down to. And then there's a, uh, the real version of it in which like um, there's somebody helping them like recover lost footage. Yeah. So to back up and give some context, all of this, the story of these guys who ended up dead, is being presented by a documentary filmmaker. And Mm -hmm. he's recovered their footage, and he's... He's, like, trying trying to clear this guy's name, basically. He's trying to put together the pieces and um, provide evidence, yeah, like you said, to clear the suspect's name. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're, we're introduced to these podcasts, or see, I almost I keep they, wanting to say podcast podcasters. It's the it's the late late nineties podcasters. They've done like internet streams. Yeah, so that was um, like one of the more interesting aspects of the film to me. Is like really early basically yeah doing a a yeah early version of a live stream, and mm-hmm. they're talking about like because they're trying to keep their show running. They're running out of money. 
And so they're trying to find new ways to bring in an audience. So they are accepting audience questions. And that's how they get the suggestion of you should do a video about the Jersey Devil. And so they take that suggestion and then they're trying to get all this technology set up to kind of broadcast and like do a live stream of their hunt for the Jersey Devil. They get like a soap opera director to sign on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the I'm trying to think of other things they do to guy. prepare for the shoot. Um, yeah, the yeah. psychic guy. I'm uh, I'm pulling up the IMDb to like get the names of these characters so that we're not like this one guy and then the other guy. There's one one of these guys is, is named Locus and like there's a running gag throughout the raw footage where like everyone's like calling him Lotus or like. Your name is Locust, like the bug, or like all, all kinds of weird stuff. It's-, it's very funny. So the two characters, um, they're actually played by the two directors of the film, and their names are just like very, very similar to the director's names. Yeah. So the uh, the two hosts of Factor Fiction are named David and Locus. Um, the the people playing David and Locus are uh, David Beard who has changed his name to David Lee in the movie, and then Lance Wheeler, who is Locust Wheeler in the movie. Oh, well, David is the the documentary. Oh, David, okay. Yeah. The other guy is Stephen Avkast. Ste- yeah, and... And then you have Jim Seward. Yeah, they just kind of changed the spelling of all of these people's names. Yeah, which is very funny. So you have, I mean, you have David, yeah. and then Lance, who is Locust, and then Stefan, who is Stephen... And <laughs> and then Jim Seward, who ch- is changed to Jim Seward, but like, um, spelled funny. <laughs> and it's interesting they talk to um like I can't remember what exactly he does for them. He's like an editor or something. He he's like in this room with a bunch of computers and he's talking about yeah. So these are like, like working kind with of- them secondary characters i guess but they're more people who worked on the 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 case like in the court um so like there's, there's a an guy editor who's who like was hired cop. by the prosecution yeah. to like basically adjust the footage and kind of pull out whatever evidence he thought was uh condemning for uh jim seward to be put into prison and um they do put him in prison um, and then, so they're trying to clear his name with yeah. this documentary. The, it looks like the evidence is pretty strong. Like, he had the other two guys' blood on his clothes, and they had just gotten into a big argument mm-hmm. right before, like, on the very last tape. So there's, you know, no footage recovered after that. The last thing yeah. that was recorded is them arguing. So they're like, oh, he had motive, and mm-hmm. um, they're kind of pulling together like all this evidence that seems pretty strong but Mm -hmm. there is like kind of a vibe throughout the whole thing that something's not quite adding up yeah yeah there's like one guy too who knew um jim beforehand and he's like i just i don't believe he's capable of something like this although i gotta say i love the when they're establishing their dynamic there's one photo where the crew is all together and they're all like smiling and doing a normal crew photo except jim who's just looking deadpan in the camera like <laughs> just yeah very he, suspiciously very which is like again building and, uh, against the case i think they him, have yeah. the time they I, I don't remember if they have the timestamp, but i think that was taken like 
like directly before or directly after something happened with them. Like it might have been right after he had done like all his magic tricks or something. Yeah, um, and the fact that he wrote the date of the murder um on his arm for the magic trick, which I think was also just probably the day they were going to be shooting. Yeah. So it could have been that as well. Yeah. And um, I believe they recover one of the bodies and one of the bodies is missing uh, because then right. they find like the brutal stabbings and like horrifying um, wounds on mm-hmm. one of them. So that I think even further implicates him. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it, it proves that he's the killer was ambidextrous, which Jim is. Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty rare. So there's also like meanwhile the documentary the documentary filmmaker he he's trying to restore some footage right like mm-hmm. he gets a hold of some footage yeah so he i guess ha- has found like some tapes that have been destroyed and uh is having this woman who knows how to like basically unscramble stuff um like through a software uh like you know, just kind of unscramble and reveal, like, images. And it does it, like, frame by frame, basically. Um, because it can't do it all at once. And so it takes a really long time. And it took her, like, what, two or three years, right? For the, from, like, when the tapes were made to, like, when she gets the final image, right? Something, like, it was a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just one frame takes pretty much the last act of the the yeah. movie because um and tell me if I'm missing something, but I believe in prison Jim goes missing. Oh, he's then, killed. Um, um he's killed, my bad. Yeah. Um he dies of quote unquote unknown causes. So it could have been a suicide, it could have been like he just died, he could have been murdered. Um he was just he was just like Dead of unknown causes, basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, the editor, she uncovers the frame, which will reveal the killer. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe the frame is captured after or during a time when Jim is away from the group. So it, it couldn't have been him. Yes. So she's like, okay, now I've got the mur- real murderer. And then she unscrambles the footage and it's the documentarian guy. <laughs> Primitive Joseph. Which was a great Proto twist. Joseph. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it coming either. I was, like, really shocked by that. Yeah. Um, I actually paused it and looked it up on Wikipedia because I was like, wait, is that the is that the yeah. documentary guy? Yeah. And then I Googled it and I'm like, oh my god, it is! Mm-hmm. And then so, he attacks the editor lady and really yeah. brutally suffocates her with yeah. his sheets of plastic. And he has, like, this other guy, like, filming all of this happen, which is kind of crazy. Well, I assume it shifts um, from first-person documentary to, like, kind of third-person. Yeah, which, um, I, I guess you're right, but, like, I kind of just read because up until like the very very end of the movie this has been like done through um like documentary style cameras so i kind of just assumed he had a an accomplice but he could have just been doing all of that by himself yeah i assumed he was doing it by himself because he's not talking Mm -hmm. to anyone else which is part of why i wonder if there that's explained some of the split 
because at oh, least for the, people like me who assume change. like it shifts from a first person to a, a third person yeah. and whether or not that third person is explained or not it's clearly kind of yeah I know, know it, taking a step out of the driver's seat it does the Leslie Verdon kind of thing where it goes from like raw foot like raw reality footage to like um I guess a third person um like style narrative but um I feel like what uh kind of hinders this movie a little bit is that the uh the stand like the camera frame rate and everything doesn't change it's kind of using the same camera and so you don't really get that like dichotomy between like reality and like the footage that you're being shown you know oh i mean yeah that makes sense yeah i see that i think the way they did it for my brain because I agree with you, I think the camera quality stayed the same, so it was a little hard to tell at first. Mm-hmm. The lighting is very different, like, it's very blue yeah. when it goes to her. And there's, like, this bit where, like, it visually represents her kind of putting two and two together, like, oh, it's the documentarian. It's almost like a graphic, where, like, both their, like, heads kind of appear in the same space. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, a, a moment, and to me, that's kind of when the shift happens yeah um which works for me in this film yeah uh just because like especially thinking back about its messaging and what it's saying Mm -hmm. i i really like it and i think it's it's clever and it's warranted and um explainable so like Mm -hmm. i'm fine with it even though it's breaking the mold yeah um i it kind of got a little easier to tell when like he is like He, like, wraps her body up in plastic and is, like, pulling her body out into the woods with him. And, uh, the, uh, um, point of view changes and it's, like, there's a camera on the roof. And I was, like, confused because at first I thought there was a guy helping him, like, film this part. And then it shifted to, like, a roof shot and I guess that kind of confused me because I was like, is this security footage? what is this but it i guess it was just like them trying to show oh hey he's doing you know stuff on his own you know being a silly yeah. guy yeah he's he's just being a little silly goose he's the you know, jersey was, devil and joseph's the big case of the mondays <laughs> okay he and joseph would and- be friends Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Joseph from Creep from for those of y'all. They probably who... talk to each other on like an early internet message board. <laughs> yeah how how old is Craigslist? Because I feel like maybe they could have been like buddies on Craigslist or something. <laughs> <laughs> he maybe he was the camera guy. Maybe he was the camera guy. That's where he started getting inspired. You know, a lot of a lot of artists start out as like um, what do they call them apprentices and then they go yeah. on to become masters of their own craft you know someone write a fic yeah. i was about to say <laughs> yeah. i love this fan fiction version we're making yeah um but yeah it's um he has this little outro where it's it's a whole it's also so good this movie is very subtly funny making it is but he goes back to making his documentary and he's like well you know the truth is a fickle thing what are we gonna do and i'm like oh <gasps> Oh, this man is making the story. Mm-hmm. He's in. Oh, it's reality TV at its finest. Mm-hmm. Ah, and also <laughs> kind of such a great commentary on like true crime 
as entertainment culture that, like, before it even became, like, a huge phenomenon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really, really genius. And I think found footage is the perfect kind of medium for this sort of story. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's very easy to warp the narrative, to warp reality to the narrative that you're trying to tell. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, like, I don't know about you guys, but I assumed he was the one who called in the Jersey Devil thing. Well, yeah, they yeah. say that so they got a bunch make, of mail yeah. from somebody with, like, a, like initial D something, and his name is David, so, um, mm-hmm. like, it, it very obviously was him. Like, when you're listening to them talk about, like, oh, we were getting letters from this guy asking to do a Jersey Devil story, and that was just, like, to lure them out into the woods so that he could murder them. Um, Which, I don't know motive. I kind of like that I don't know motive. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, like, creep in that way. Yeah. To me, the motive was to make this documentary. He's like, I need a subject. I need something to talk about. So mm-hmm. I'm going to generate this thing so that I can capitalize on it. But not like for a, you know, capital gain as in terms of money. He's It's more content driven is what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. Is like, mm-hmm. I need a story yeah. to tell. I can manufacture this to an interesting enough angle that I can be the one to tell this story and control how it is presented to the world. Yeah, it's kind of like I, a power trip where he is in control of every angle. I feel like maybe there was something explaining that he was linked to somebody in there like like of course he was the one like suggesting everything on like the chat boards and in like fan mail and things like that but like he like like starts out like talking about like the history of the show and i feel like when you're watching the footage and you kind of see how like how much of like jerks these guys are maybe like they did something to piss him off and he was just like i'm just gonna kill you (laughs) you know i mean that could be believable yeah i also think that just like a minor like a minor celebrity is the perfect victim for this kind of thing if you're trying to get notoriety you know if you're trying to make a documentary Mm -hmm. it's like if it's someone who's too famous, then there's going to be too much attention and too much scrutiny. Yeah, you'll get mm-hmm. caught immediately. Yeah. yeah, but if it's someone like who's if it's two random known, dudes on the internet, like, <laughs> it's still they still have that notoriety to like have a catchy headline of like, hey, two internet show hosts. Like that's more interesting than mm-hmm. just like two hikers or two random dudes. Yeah. And so it's a it's a an easier story to draw you in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, and what is it? He he even taught has a little segment where he talks about like now I am in this story and I I am a part of it now. Mm-hmm. And this is before it's revealed. So like to me, it really does feel like artistically motivated, almost. Mm-hmm. Of, like, he really believes in this thing that he's telling, despite the fact that he's the one pulling the strings. Like, I think there's this other thing about truth where he's like, does truth become less potent as time goes by or something like that? Yeah. Like, as the events go forward, it's it's harder and harder to grab onto the truth. And that's where he steps in with this documentary of, like, well, if I have this, like, this record where I control the narrative then I win for all time. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know? And, like, that's what we see with, um, hell, even now, like, movies about historical events or things like that, like Oppenheimer, is the movie will control how we feel about those events for a very large percentage of the population. Yeah, well, a Same lot with of, the documentary we view, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, like, I feel like aren't taught about, like, specifically Oppenheimer in school, unless you're, like, really into physics. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, like, we, this event, too. Like, unless you're in the community or, like, looking for true crime, you're not going to know about, like, these little events unless mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. tells the story and then they get to be the one who controls how we feel about it, who we believe and who we don't believe. Very yeah. true. And, like, even within the true crime community, um, there's a lot of misinformation that just gets picked up. Like, a rant, like a... I've seen this come up multiple times where a newspaper covering the event of, like, a murder or disappearance will get a fact wrong. And then everyone else who, like, republishes that story takes that wrong fact and spreads it. Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes the shows that I listen to, the hosts will, like, find the source and they'll be like, oh, this actually didn't happen, even though it was reported. Yeah. And it's crazy how often that happens. And, like, I do feel like there's something to be said about the justice system too in watching this film. Oh yeah. And how mm, the justice system yeah. often they will... fails people. And I will say like in, in the, in the film, at least like they are given a lot of evidence for this yeah. guy, but, but at the same time, there's still stuff that they don't know. And like, they, yeah. like still his behavior doesn't him. really match, even though they're like trying to say he has a motive because he was in a fight with these guys. If you actually watch the footage that is given to you, you see that he is being picked on. Um, and it's more it's likely kind of pushing that they them would away have done something more than to pushing him, them down. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. They're very much bullying him and yeah. pushing him. And he's removing himself from the situation. Like, yeah, he's not instead of like, for a fight. In, like, uh, responding with violence or anything like that. He just mm-hmm. kind of gets out of there. And um, is there's a part where they explain, like, at one point that he is checking, like, internet message boards. And then there's, like, a 45-minute delay in his, like, messages. And they say um, it could just be, like... Um, uh, like a a delay in like they lost connection or something or he was off doing something else and they kind of believe that in between those 45 minutes he murdered those people but um that they they like go into like how a murder like that would probably take more time than 45 minutes to complete um because <laughs> there's like a lot of evidence of like struggle and like all kinds of other stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is interesting, though, like how how the media in this situation influences the actual trial. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. scary, and I do think that happens a lot. Where there are people who it happens in the real world all of the time who get convicted because I think that we as a society, like both the court system, the family members, the media, we all sometimes decide. You know, it's more convenient just to put this person in jail, even if it's not the person who did this. Mm-hmm. At least we have an answer, and it's easier just to convict this person than to keep looking and have this fact, case be open yeah, for a like, while. 
to acknowledge yeah. the thought that we might be wrong and like yeah that's yeah. and this film I feel like is mm-hmm. so progressive too and I keep harping on this just because I think it's brilliant where like you were saying Kai with the amount of misinformation that is spread for people trying to to have an authority on telling a story and then how responsible are they for the continued harm on the people whose story this is still affecting you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like and it's it even goes one step further and says the people who are you know telling the story are the people who made this happen to begin with and like that's mm-hmm. fascinating to me cuz like there's yeah. something to be said about the way we portray these these uh, cuz yeah it's it, it's the rise of the internet age and the rise of like minor celebrities being able to use it to get their way to to genuine outreach and then to what point do we use that tool to like hurt others to bring ourselves mm-hmm. up to that celebrity status and it's what really through interest- public humiliation or through murder you know yeah what um what really interests me about this narrative is that the whole time um, the documentarian guy is trying to clear the name of the guy that they suspected it while still not leading you to believe that he's the one that actually does it. And you get all this evidence, uh, supposedly like second hand out of like, you know, it's not supposed to be filmed what he's actually doing. Um, and you're just kind of supposed to be watching like, oh, this is all behind the scenes. Like he's... He's been murdering people and, like, setting this whole thing up. He's like, you know, we just don't know what's going on here. Well, we may never know. And it's like, we do know you're murdering people, but why are you also trying to clear the name of this person who could easily take the fall for you? And that's what's interesting to me is, like, like, does he feel bad for this person? Like, does he feel bad for Jim for him taking the fall for something that he set up? And even one beyond that, if why did he hire someone to like unedit or fix the footage? Yeah, when he knows it's him. Just, like, was it just like another like, reason to hole. murder just... somebody, or was it a way to feel like, or did he like suspect that she wouldn't actually find something and just kind of have her go on a wild goose chase and still have like this documentary where there's some still pretty solid evidence that it wasn't him or yeah what's going on there because that's very interesting to me what i think is like he's thinking from like a story perspective of like oh so we have this footage that's like damaged the audience is going to want to see the rest of it so i'll have to hire someone to edit the footage well then how do i get that person out of the way they disappear under mysterious circumstances further adding mystery and intrigue to the story mm-hmm. so it's like he's getting all his bases covered while also covering his bases if that made yeah. any sense i don't think it made any sense <laughs> i i kind of understand what you mean like yeah. he's he's like trying to get as much evidence out of this as possible while still not showing you that it's him <laughs> Yeah, he's like a baseball player on both teams. He's like running back and forth. He's like, I'm this is gonna make the most interesting game possible, but I have to play <laughs> myself and fuck yeah. over my teammates yeah. on both sides. Yeah, it's just very like it raises some questions about like his motives and 
like what they are and like how he's further connected into this besides suggesting things and how he's connected to Jim and all this other stuff. Like it's, I like that it leaves like some questions for you. Cause then you're like sitting there pondering why he would do all of this. It gives you a question and I like questions. Yeah. And it will forever remain unsolved <laughs> yeah i'm like it might just be a plot hole but i i definitely like i definitely choose to look into it as like intentional yeah and i think that's definitely really interesting it leaves a lot of good questions mm-hmm. yeah Go but i think that's movie. something uh writers should maybe even consider or at least maybe people interpreting like as long as like a story element that maybe is is a little confusing or thing doesn't take away from the story or meaning or intent. I think it's fun to kind of put the pieces together yourself, even if it's not the author's intention. Like as long as it doesn't take away from the effect or impact of the film, I think it's okay to have certain things that you're like, you know, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going with this, but you know, it's fine. It it works for the impact. This I'm is going the for, Sopranos ending of found footage films. <laughs> <laughs> well. We also like Marty and I. This is our second time watching this film, and I would say it was it was very rewarding to watch it, like, knowing the twist. Yeah, and, like you can watch his behavior beforehand, and I thought that was also a unique experience. So mm-hmm. I definitely think the film holds up for a rewatch. Yeah, I feel like we caught yes. like a few extra things, like the second go around, where like he's trying to be sneaky, and you're like, "Oh, I know what you're doing. I know <laughs> yeah. what you're doing, you little scam." <laughs> you sneak. I, also, like, Marty had brought this up, like watching it the second time. I we realized how funny this movie is. Yeah, I cannot get over everyone getting Locus's name wrong. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Hey, Lotus, uh, it's Locus." Uh, that's what I said, right? <laughs> like, there's. There's one bit where they're, like, wandering around in a field when they're, like, still having their unsuccessful part of their show where he's like, just so you know, I want everyone on camera to know this guy fucked up getting the field schedule all right. And he's just off in the corner, like, throwing his hands in the air, like, whatever, I don't fucking care, man. Who gives a shit? Yeah, they're, like, all razzing each other in this raw footage, and obviously things are not going well for them. And it's just very funny to, like, have it in a frame narrative of, like, this is a mystery and and these guys they disappeared and then then you're like watching the guys and it's like oh they're like a bunch of incompetent douchebags they could have just like fallen into a ravine or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> right this guy is gonna get horribly murdered in two days also a bit of a dick mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is a little bit off topic but not really because it's also about found footage i watched this really great documentary on Shudder a while back called The Found Footage Phenomenon and I would definitely recommend it for people who like found footage. This movie is brought up and they, yes. they it was a really good documentary and like I had never thought of it this way but they pointed out, they were like well technically Dracula was the first found footage horror story quote unquote because it's a yeah. epistolary so it's like mm-hmm. a story being told through these letters yeah. and ship's logs and like journal entries and stuff like that. So like in a way it is the foundation of found footage horror, which I think is I mean, super cool. Frankenstein is also like that. It's got a few like letters yeah. in it too. I don't know if they're dated, but they definitely are like chaptered as like, hey, this is one person talking and then here's another person talking and then 
this guy is going to yeah, tell like you what the monster like... told him, and then this guy encounters the monster. Yeah, you get you get what yeah. I'm saying. There's like the captain like of the sections. ship is like, here's what Victor Frankenstein told me in his dumb fever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then somehow, like, ends up with, like, perfect dialogue for what the the monster says after Frankenstein has told him, and then now he's telling his sister, right? But maybe it's, yeah, but maybe it's only perfect, like, we don't know if it's actually. Yeah, we just don't know. <laughs> and that's the thing about found footage, and that's the thing about documentaries, and mm-hmm. and and telling telling and retelling someone's stories you yeah can, you, can lose you lose a little bit details the details get a little fuzzy as... you gotta look at life from a new perspective <laughs> <laughs> so yeah good movie uh definitely recommend for found footage fans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and do we have this would be, like, a good one to do, like, a double feature with either Creep or, like, Mungo, because they're both kind of structured similarly. Yeah, I would love Maybe to Maybe even, about... like, Blair Witch, because, like, this movie is kind of a prototype for, like, all of those movies in the way that it's set up. Because, like, you have, like, yeah. the raw footage in the woods is kind of Blair Witchy. You have the guy who's, like, uh, um like kind of leading you on to believe like a certain narrative and that's in creep. And then you have like Mungo where it's like set up solely to be kind of a, a documentary style horror film. Yeah. And I would love to talk about Lake Mungo one day. Cause that's yeah. another one that hit, hit me really hard. Yeah. That's a, that's a gut punch of a movie. <laughs> yeah. And if we continue with be my cat, I think there's a lot of crossover with this one that mm-hmm. that's going to be fascinating to talk about in terms of, you know, creating a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do we have any last thoughts? Um. Go movie. <laughs> Go movie. Um, Go movie. Th- this movie does not answer the question of whether or not the Jersey Devil is out there. So um, maybe some of y'all should well, find Do you think out. he was just he watching that, all... F- he does say that the Jersey Devil is, like, a representation of, like, the way... The, the footage itself is the Jersey Devil, or your behavior out in the woods is the Jersey Devil, or maybe it's me. I don't know. Maybe I'm the Jersey Devil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just imagine the Jersey Devil was, like, watching all this go down from, like, the edge of the frame, just kind of like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Man, like, I'm, I'm like a demon, but, like, this guy is, uh, he's really fucked up in the head. <laughs> Man, I wouldn't subscribe to that Patreon channel. What the fuck? <laughs> to the to the Jersey the Devil's Jersey Patreon Devil. or the the documentary guy. The oh, documentary, so yeah. the Jersey Devil, would not subscribe to their Patreon. Oh uh, yeah, I was thinking of um, the two guys, the host guys. They're the Jersey Devil. No, I would subscribe to their Patreon. Oh yeah, <laughs> mostly just to see them fight. Yeah, <laughs> the drama just, would be yeah. amazing. Can you imagine if they like went on to become YouTubers if they had lived oh long God. enough? Oh my God, they would have had. Some oh, they would be very. Logan These guys Paul in early 2010s YouTube land would be uh like a discourse landmine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The Reddit threads alone would be <laughs> hilarious. Oh yes. Well, thank you all for joining. Shouts out to our listeners out there. Um, uh, shout out to Hannah and Marty for 
being excellent and watching this movie. And shout out to Kai and Hannah for being, like, really cool people. Shout out to Kai and Marty for making this beautiful party come together. I'm having a blast eating some cake, eating some spooky cake with the Jersey Devil. And it's all because of y'all beautiful hosts. What flavor is the cake? Blood. I thought Ooh. you were going to say devil's food cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I missed or, it. Um, I'm aw, or red black velvet. Edited, black that it forest. sounds like I yeah. said that. <laughs> black forest. Jam, Kai, you just got the cake puns coming out the wazoo. Thank you for the cake puns. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm a, Add that remember, to the list. Do you remember in like 2010 when it was a meme that asexual people are obsessed with cake? Yes, I, do remember, I that. remember that. <laughs> I'm asexual, Tumblr. what can I say? <laughs> I have all the cake puns. (laughs) God bless. If you would like to keep up with us, you can find us on Twitter still at Chainsaw Matinee. Well, by the time this comes out, it might be x.com. Yeah, whatever the hell. It might also just be like an entirely shattered website that doesn't even work anymore. And we've lost like millions upon billions of data. You can find us on social media at Chainsaw Matinee. Let's say that, because we do have a TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, We do? We do. We do have a TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you run that. I'm trying to figure out something new to do with, like, could I flirt sexually to get out of a saw trap? And then I go through (laughs) each saw trap and I figure out if I could flirt my way out. Yeah, that would be hard. You would have to appeal to Jigsaw's sense but of it, it uh, depends. Like, like you could also be trying to appeal to Hoffman though, and then you just say dad stuff or like, Amanda. Oh, oh, Amanda! Listen, if it were Amanda, I would be flirting my ass off. Yeah, me too. I would simply not throw her into the needle pit. Yeah, yeah. Just I think that nice would get me a lot of headway. Just yeah. give her a hug. That's what she needs. She just needs people to be nice to her. Yeah. Truly. Well, I thought... I could fix her. <laughs> check us out on social media. Mm-hmm. And um, we also have a Patreon. Yeah, so patreon.com slash chainsaw matinee, correct? Yes. If you feel like supporting us, that would also be awesome. Or you can also, donate to the Jersey um, Devils Patreon. Do it. And yeah. I feel like it's also important to say, while we talk about these movies, um, the people who make it possible, the writers, the actors, they, uh, we, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for all of us, but we stand in solidarity with, um, oh, yeah. the striking, for real. Um, yeah. for uh, sure. writers and actors and, yeah. um, just, you know, don't scab if you're in the entertainment industry right now. I know it's hard, but this mm-hmm. is going to be better for everyone in the long run, getting us rights and just, there's a lot of content out there to, you know, tide you over until things come back. Until then, just just stays in solidarity with um, these amazing artists. Don't let AI um, take credit for these wonderful people. And they make the things that make life worth living. So just yeah. show them that respect. And AI show them is dumb anyways. I, I'm very glad that we changed our podcast name. Yeah. Because, um, oh, God, yeah. Netflix. Yeah, fuck Netflix. Fuck HBO Max. Yeah. So just fuck them. Fuck all of them. Solidarity to the strikers, and <laughs> they can afford zero point one percent of their profits to give to everyone else. Like fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. If A twenty four can do it, then so can you. Yeah, and it's um, true. you should. And uh, the fact that you're not makes you an asshole. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we stand with the strikers and um, I'm just wishing them the best of luck. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we, we all have backgrounds in the entertainment industry. We have friends who still work in the entertainment industry. And this mm-hmm. is a big deal. I mean, yeah. people don't get treated as well as they deserve. And, um, mm. you know, these well, you're at a people. reckoning point. This is tough shit to do, and it you should is. be compensated the, for it. The people who are d- defining our culture and yeah, like, making all the shows you like, and yeah, they I deserve wanna to be paid help well. Make those things, and so like I want this to go well, so that one day when I am able to finally join in with that workforce, I am also like in a community that a respects me and b pays me well. Yeah. Um, yeah, any protections you have is because of a union and striking and things like that. And, like, this is also if you think, like, oh, if I'm not in the entertainment industry, this doesn't affect me, or I'm, like, a content creator, it doesn't affect me. We're at a, a reckoning point where this is going to snowball because, like, the, mm-hmm. the UPS workers are on strike. And when we one of us gains ground on workers' rights, it gives the rest of us precedent you mess to keep with one pushing of us. for what we you deserve. You mess with all of us. Exactly. Spider-Man rules. Yeah, yeah. This is New York, baby. Yeah. It is New York, baby. <laughs> well, there, I saw Fran Drescher running around. I didn't see her running around. I've seen actors running around um, mm. Hell yeah. at the pickets. Yeah. Um, I quite like Fran Drescher. I don't agree with her on everything, but we do share a birthday and we're both left-handed, and she did kind of influence uh, how I perceive femininity as being totally fucking cool. Um, so, (laughs) I gotta give her props. Hell yeah. Well, thank you all for tuning in, and stay safe out there. We will catch you next time, but until then, may your nightmares be plentiful. Don't die in the The Pine Barrens. They almost did that in The Sopranos, and you you probably should avoid that. The most famous episode. Yeah, so, um... We know what happened. The Jersey, to the Jersey Devil's a Union Devil. man. Okay, no, I'm done. <laughs> but what happened to the Russian? Uh, what did happen to the Russian? He never came back. Hmm. Maybe he's the Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm.